I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. podcast rich was spot on with something that i completely completely misjudged according to um past podcast when it comes to oklahoma football recruiting we're going to jump into all of that lincoln riley says that not only have some players been exposed for covid19 but they have tested positive for it let's look at oklahoma's dominance in big 12 football over the last decade and much much more Thanks a lot for being around for this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. Do us a favor. Hit us up with a subscription on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or TuneIn or iHeartRadio. However you hit us, we appreciate it. But uh, give us that subscribe. That will also help us out as well. So let's go over a couple of quick notes here, Rich. Um, first of all, we got to say congratulations to Skip Johnson and the boys. When we recorded last week, uh, one player had been selected from Oklahoma in the Major League Baseball draft. That was Cade Cavalli, taken in the first round, number 22 overall to the defending World Series champions, the Washington Nationals. But the Nationals also came back in the fourth round and picked up Cavalli's catcher, Brady Lindsley, 123rd overall pick. Before him, Levi Prater went in the third round to the St. Louis Cardinals. And in just in case, you were wondering if Oakland was kind of bent at OU for getting burned on the Kyler Murray pick. That would be a big no because they took Dane Aker in the fourth round, 127th overall pick. Altogether, a pretty decent draft for Skip Johnson and the Sooners. But you see all these arms going out in the draft, and you got to wonder. I mean, that was the arms were the reason that Oklahoma was in the conversation for not just finishing at the top of the Big 12 this year, but also trying to punch a ticket to go to Omaha. And you see these guys go in the draft, and now it's time to see what's next. Who, who are going to be those next guys stand up? And, you know, baseball is a different situation than softball where you got everybody coming back in softball. You look at some pretty big names here on the baseball list, and they're probably not going to be back. It is cause for concern, if you're asking me, because that was your Friday, Saturday, Sunday starting rotation all three days have now been lost to the MLB but it speaks to I mean it speaks volumes of what Skip Johnson has been known for it's no secret that when he joined this staff that he was a pitcher's coach and that he knew how to take someone and get maximum potential out of that. I think that was validated. Those types of statements were validated simply through this MLB draft, but we also have to look at what transpired as the MLB draft went from 41, 40, excuse me, 40 rounds down to five. All of a sudden, I do believe there was a mentality shift. I do believe that priority and a premium was put on on several positions 
I can't tell you if that was the pitching staff or whether it wasn't because each team has unique needs and, and different players fit into that equation differently. As, as I've mentioned, each team begins to assess the talent that's on the board. But again, hats off to, to Oklahoma and more specifically Skip Johnson for what he's doing and what he's building in a program at the University of Oklahoma. If he can continue on that type of a tra- trajectory, we're going to be mentioning Skip Johnson in the same type of situations in the same type of conversations that we've mentioned a guy like Bill Beatenbow in who has had dominance at a at a very specific position and has taken guys that may not have fit the mold of what the NFL was looking for and shaped them into an ideal candidate regardless of for baseball that would be where you fit in the rotation as a starter, as relief, or as a closer. I think Skip Johnson, like I said, and Bill Biedenboe have a very similar mindset and would be mentioned, granted, two different sports, but mentioned with the same level of success when it comes to, for Johnson, pitchers, Biedenboe, offensive line. I see the potential of that, but I feel like I feel like there needs to be more of a track record there. Well, I mean, let's take Dane Aker for just a split second because he's a transfer who comes in Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden his name is thrust to the forefront of the conversation because of what? Uh, A no hitter against a ranked LSU squad. I don't think that he would have been drafted had he not come to Oklahoma, but the potential was still there for him to be the type of pitcher that we saw against LSU. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that, that that'll work for me. Um, so let, let's let's talk about this real fast. Bad news for Oklahoma football. Lincoln Riley, uh, in an interview with on ESPN Radio with uh, Mike Golick and Trey Wingo, says that um, he has had some players who have tested positive for coronavirus. But the good news is, as Lincoln Riley pointed out, is that they're not all together like a situation you find up in Stillwater where they've had players uh, test positive after coming back on campus. What Riley said on the interview was, Nobody's immune to this. We've had a player or two that's been either exposed or has tested positive for this thing, just like everybody else has. The difference for us in our program uh, and our players aren't all here together, so they haven't infected or exposed a bunch of other players here. That's good, but again, I, I'm not – they're saying that the the false positives are uh, can be up to 30% of these tests can at some point – produce a, a false positive. So there's no way, in my opinion, there's no way Oklahoma is going to mo- move through this football season without having a player test positive for this. And just like every other school, every other program in the country, Missouri state has already said, Hey, we've had players who tested positive. And, and the, the, I think the important thing with this is going to be how we don't panic. How do we, how do we, how do we approach this? Um, because we are in the midst of a global pandemic. We're trying to move on with life as close to normal as we can, but we know people around us are going to get sick. Can we move into our protocol? And the question is, will the protocol work to keep it from spreading? That's going to be the big thing. The good news is in places like Stillwater and other, other areas, Missouri state, you know, um, the protocols are working. So there's no reason to expect it not to work at an institution like, excuse me, Oklahoma. Do you believe that the 
coaching staffs, universities, are adopting more of what was initially called a herd mentality and saying, look, if our players are going to get it, let's let them get it to develop this herd immunity, if you will. And I'm not I'm not sitting here to bring up any kind of debate of whether that's true. And once you have it, you're immune to it. I, I'm not here to bring up any of those debates. But what I am asking is, do you think that the, these programs are, are essentially buying into that idea or we're still saying we're we're taking as many precautions as necessary and you will be quarantined right. or we're requiring you to be quarantined? No, I, I don't think any coach at any football program in America who's worth anything at all is hoping that his players can develop a herd immunity. I mean – I think you look at herd immunity as a byproduct. If it's going to happen, if if your guy gets it, well, the glass half full is that he's going to build antibodies. But I, I 100% think that there are protocols in place, and you have to. You just you just have to. You can't tell a parent on one hand, I I, I love your son. I'm going to take care of him. We'll be surrogate parents to him, and we're going to look out for his best interest. Oh hey, you got coronavirus. Go go breathe on on the rest of the of the people in your position group, and let's get that herd immunity built up before the season starts. I, I don't think any coach ever could get away with that. And really, the coaches that I I'm familiar with, I wouldn't see that in their personality. I think that their their number one goal is to prevent as many people as possible from getting this illness, and hope that soon. There's either a, a good treatment or there's even better a vaccine. Now, I will say well, as you look at statistics and and I last thing I want to do is get in, into anything political. But I did see like uh, Italy said something like 90, 97, 98 percent of the fatalities were from people who had other conditions, other issues, other things that were going on. And when you're talking about college athletes who are um, the the in the best physical shape, some of the people in the best physical shape in the world, mm -hmm. again, you don't want them to get it, but you don't also think that the situation is going to be very dire if they do get it. Because these guys are, th this, is, this is uncharted waters. You, you've got to try to make this machine function in the midst of a global pandemic and no one's ever done that before. And right. I don't, I don't think we take that into consideration as much when we're talking about people who are in leadership positions, be it the pastor of your church or the coach of your football team. No one's ever done this before. And so you go back and you try to live life as, as, as close to normal as you can. You try to take all the precautions that you feel are, are prudent but you know at some point, at some time, somebody around you is going to get sick. I do know the British have made some kind of, I don't want to use the term advancement, but more so a discovery. Treatments will eventually come out. A vaccine eventually will come out for the coronavirus. But what I do know, Matt, is that you're absolutely right. When it comes to the idea that a parent has sent their child off to spend the next four years with you because you have their best interest at heart, then you best keep that promise regardless of any advancements mm -hmm. of any discoveries in a global pandemic. 
So I, I'm on board with that. Okay, let's let's close out this first segment with a little bit of fun here. Um, last week, um, on on the 12th of June, Fox College Football tweeted out most wins by Big 12 teams in the last 10 years. So the the way the Big 12 currently stands with the 10 teams, the most wins we know this is is Oklahoma, right? 109 wins over the last 10 years, averaging mm-hmm. almost 11 wins a season, which when you're thinking about over-unders, we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the over-under of the season being 10 and a half. When you, you look at this as a, a program that's averaging almost 11 wins a season, 10.9 wins per season, you got to just, just on that alone, you take that, that over. Um, but Kansas, we also know is dead last. Right. Do you, do you want to guess? I was shocked by this because everybody knows how bad Kansas is, right? Worst team in the Big 12. Hands down, not a secret. You want to guess how many wins Kansas has over the last 10 years? Have you seen this? Do you know? I I don't know the exact number. I do know that Kansas is 10 because that's a no-brainer for me. But if I had to, based upon the information that Oklahoma has 109 wins, I'm going to guess that Kansas has roughly 109 losses. Are, are we talking about conference play? No, only? no, just We're to- talking to- about the entire total wins. Well, that should make sense because you said an average of 11. Yeah. If I had to guess the number of wins that Kansas had over the past decade, I- I'm going to venture to say three, maybe four a season. So my number is going to be at 37, 37 wins. I, I was, I was going to be in that category with you. I was thinking the same thing when I first, I, okay, I know Kansas is going to be last somewhere between 30 and 40 wins over the last decade wrong don't tell me it's 16 no it's 21 okay. okay 21 hey at least we eclipsed in, 20 here in 10 years they've won 21 games it really just kind of lets you see how bad kansas has been because that's not that's, if you go back 10 years ago kansas is coming off not too far removed from winning in the orange bowl against virginia tech and then you say if you would have told anybody hey over the next decade you're going to win a total of 21 games, 2.1 wins per season. I don't think any Kansas fan would buy into that based off of what they just experienced, but that's crazy. But here's where I want to have fun. Okay. Number two, who do you think number two is going to be? Man, it's a toss up between two programs for me, but I'm going to go with my gut instinct here and say Oklahoma state. Yeah. 93 wins over the last 10 years, Oklahoma state. So Oklahoma, number one, Oklahoma State number two, and then it gets really interesting. And and what I'm doing with you is I, what happened to me. My son's like, "Hey, Dad, you want to guess this?" Mm-hmm. And I was way off. I'm just saying, way off. Number three. Number three for me is gonna be maybe a little bit of a surprise, but I do know Kansas State had some relative success, and they surprised a few a few programs, Oklahoma included, in mm-hmm. that where they had these runs of ten win seasons. So my my number three, I, I'm just gonna going to throw down Kansas State. Well, I'm going to say Kansas State is top five, but they're not number three. Number three was TCU, Gary Patterson, the Fighting Horn Frogs. Now, are we going by percentages no, or most No, just the total wins? wins. Total wins. TCU with 87 wins over the last 10 seasons. Wow. All right, number three. Oh, excuse me, number four. Number four. Let's throw it down again. <laughs> Kansas State. No, nope, they're go top the five, but okay. they're not number four. You number four is going to be the Baylor me. Bears at 83 wins. Number five, Kansas State. Kansas State. They don't. They don't. They're not tied. I thought they'd be really no, close. Baylor's. They are really close. Baylor has eighty-three wins. Kansas State with eighty-one wins. Okay. Okay. Now here's where we're gonna have some fun. 
bottom five. You know Kansas is 10. Yeah, I know who that, number six is, that too. Leaves, That's an easy one. That leaves you four schools, mm-hmm. four, six through nine. And so, I know where Iowa State's at, too. So number six is going to be... Number six is Texas. Wrong. No, can't yes. be. 100% wrong. They're further down? Yes. Okay, again, man, I was Matt. I was one hundred percent confident I, I, that it was you're Texas. Doing, you're doing I, pretty much exactly I what I did. I didn't think that they were top five. No way, because of the string of seven and five seasons. Mm-hmm. But that's still a season above five hundred, which yep. I thought accounted for for number six minimum. Number six, the West Virginia Mountaineers. 60 or 75 that wins. That just seems crazy to me. 75 wins over the last 10 years. All right, here we go. Number seven. <laughs> you just told me West Virginia averaging seven wins, 7.5, excuse me, wins per year. Texas, I said, was seven and five. So we'll slot them here. Texas Longhorns, number seven. That that means that means only three schools. This is what's great about this argument for someone who's a, an avid Texas hater like me. Only three schools in the last decade have had worse records than the Texas Longhorns. So when you say, when you hear your Texas friends say, Texas is back, <laughs> from where? From the, I mean, you've been the bottom of the Big 12 for the last decade. 71 wins. I got one more thing to say about Texas after we round this out. So you got two options left. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Number eight is Texas Tech, and number nine is Iowa State. Yes, number eight, Texas Tech at 60 wins, and number nine, Iowa State at 51 wins. This is why the win totals are important. Number two is Oklahoma State. Follow my logic here. Number two, Oklahoma State, 93 wins. Texas at 71. Number nine, Iowa State at 51 wins. So not only is Texas well into the bottom half of the Big 12, Texas is closer to number nine than they are to number two. I mean, they're 20 wins removed from Iowa State, 22 wins removed from Oklahoma State. This is a team that I've been saying for a long time has not been relevant in Big 12, actually not not been relevant in the national scene in in a decade. Now we got the stats to prove it. All right, we got to talk some uh, football recruiting next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, on the football recruiting front, Oklahoma gets a huge defensive commitment, but also loses a huge prospect. Rich, which one's the bigger story? NRK, as you call him, committing to play for the Sooners or Christian Leary committing to play for Alabama? As you mentioned at the very top of this podcast, I wasn't surprised by the Alabama move. Oh, I was totally wrong. I mean, I, I, I like to give myself a lot of props when I'm right, but I was totally wrong on this. And I know that a lot of the crystal ball predictions would have backed up your statement last week. However. I said there was a little something that could be read into the moving of the commitment date that I never took that as a good sign. And, and I, I stuck with it. 
Needless to say, I don't believe that losing a guy like Christian Leary is as big of a deal when you look at the defensive side of the ball and attempting under Alex Grinch to build a formidable defense. Mm -hmm. You know in the Big 12, you've got to have strong, you've got to have fast, but you also have to have guys who are technically sound and have good instincts when it comes to that defensive end position. And I believe that's what Oklahoma is getting out of a guy like NRK. So the bigger storyline for me was the commitment. And the other thing, Matt, that you and I had mentioned on this podcast last week was that here's a guy who's extremely raw when it comes to the football field, when it comes to his talents. A lot of what he's being evaluated on is not only his size, but it's the the natural inclination to play that position. Mm-hmm. It's those instincts. He doesn't have anything, at least I believe, he doesn't have anything at this point in time that's been ingrained into him that can't be removed. And I had said there's no bad habits for him to unlearn once he steps onto a college campus. But you also look at the fact that it appears as though he has a pretty high floor and an extremely high ceiling. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are. I mean, he's played. He's played one season of high school football and is a four-star recruit. So those, yes, those are things that I look at and are are check marks on the side for the pros yeah. versus the the cons of losing a potential commitment in Christian Leary. I get it, Matt. I, I'm not oblivious to the fact that the wide receiver position is one where many people have said it lacks depth. But there are, you've got good commitments at the position mm-hmm. for this this current cycle you've got an extremely talented roster sure i can point out again the lack of depth but you also look at at some of the when you saw when you say the lack of depth Mm -hmm. i I think what we're talking about is the lack of experience depth because there's talent on that roster and so even if you add a christian leary you're not helping the problem, Correct. which there's, is experience depth. There's five names on the roster that at any during any game could lead the Oklahoma Sooners in receiving yards, and nobody would be surprised. It's when you go behind that five that all of a sudden there's a, here's a guy who's making plays, I see his number, but what's his name type situation. Again, the, where I was heading with that, Matt, is there are plenty of other names. You've labeled it as fish in the pond in your article I think Farouk is a guy that is almost guaranteed. I, I'm not going to put a stamp no, on it. No, you, you can go ahead. He's, he's coming to OU. I, but, I, I, I think I think him I think him coming to OU really played into Christian Leary going to Alabama. And I think that he's a guy we, we're mentioning him here as a receiver, talented guy who is going to commit. But I also think Oklahoma gets a second one in Sturdivant at this point in time. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. Those are the two that I would say are almost 100% locks for Oklahoma. And you look, again, at what Oklahoma already has, the commitments that they already have, Mm -hmm. and then you weigh it against the loss, and you weigh it against what potentially is coming in or names that are associated with the university at this point in time, and say, it's, of, of course... You want the top talent, right? But you're not saying, eh, we we we'll just have to to figure out a, a, an alternate plan here because you still have the number one ri- wide receiver in the class in Mario Williams. And I think that's the point that that we have to really to look at is that Oklahoma got the guy they wanted. I mean, you want Christian Leary. I mean, it's not like you don't want him to come play for you, but your top guy on your receiver board was Mario Williams. He's the guy you didn't want to let get away. Mm-hmm. And 
Oklahoma locked him up early, and that's good. They also have Cody Jackson, who's a four-star guy, which you alluded to. I do believe 100% uh, that that Farouk is going to come to Oklahoma, and you mentioned start event. You know that's four guys, and we we know it's funny because we talked previous in podcasts. How many how many can they take? You know, and we set the number somewhere between four and six, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that they'd still take five. But now that Christian Larry's out of the picture, di- did it hurt Oklahoma with this class? Yes. When we're talking about them competing with an Ohio state mm-hmm. with a Clemson for the one of those top classes in the nation, but was it a crushing blow to this class? And the answer there is absolutely not. And I, I think the biggest story right now with Oklahoma football recruiting is with the, the, the commitment this week of Nathan Rollins Kabong is that Oklahoma's nine commitments, six of the nine are on the defensive side of the ball. And now you've got Kabong, who's going to be a strong side defensive end. They, they've talked about him. They wanted him to be not just a pass rusher, but also to be able to drop back into coverage. Well, Matt, let's be honest. When you're 6'7", and oh, you're dropping back yeah. into coverage, you you don't have to be extremely quick because your length is going well, to cause a lot. Well, you're just an obstacle. Of, well, you're, exactly. you're an obstacle as it is. I'm saying to throw over a guy who's 6'7", but also possesses the ability, the leaping ability of a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Anything that's that's 10, 15 yards is in jeopardy. Yeah, and speaking of basketball players, Lon Kruger, uh, part of that virtual tour, already offered him a a spot on the roster, which is mm-hmm. going to be fun to see because he did say, hey, I don't think my basketball days are over. Maybe he's talking about one more year of high school, or maybe he's talking about trying to play on the collegiate level. It was not unheard of. It's not like it's never happened before. And the guy is a, is a, a legitimate prospect top level basketball guy. Uh, he was committed to Washington state before all of this. Um, the thing is, is that you've got, you've got Ethan Downs and Clayton Smith who are weak side defensive end prospects. Now you've got NRK and let's not forget the Abaria kid. That's going to still, I believe switching his commitment from Notre Dame to Oklahoma. He's a strong side guy. So you're bringing in four, four star recruits at the defensive end position in this class. And that is huge. And for all the people out there that like to, you know, be it a joke or be it serious. Every time we post something about an offensive kid, every time we post something about Caleb Williams, the the comment is, well, what about the defense? Go find defensive guys. Six of nine, six of nine recruits that are committed on the defensive side of the ball. And that just, speaks volumes in my opinion of what Alex Grinch is doing and who he's going after. Hey, I'm not going to be a source of a divide in the argument that you're mentioning, but everyone who's looking at the six of nine defensive commits, Matt, everyone's also factoring in Caleb Williams. Well, that would be six of 10. If you, I mean, Caleb yeah, hasn't d- committed yet. So that's still 60%. He hasn't. You're right. But we know the way that the cards are falling, people are undoubtedly buying into Caleb Williams to Oklahoma. It's what offensive players are he is he bringing with him? Because mm-hmm. there's real potential for that number to shift. Oh, of course. They're not only going to get three offensive recruits. Right. Well, I'm thinking they they I'm thinking they get at least three on July 4th. I, I think there's legitimate. I, 
I think there, there's a lot of there's a big movement this week with Bryce Foster, who's one of the top offensive uh, guards. Guards, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, he's a six four, three thirty out of Katy, Texas. Twenty four seven has him as the number six guard in the uh, in the recruiting cycle. It's coming down between him and Texas A and M, but the percentages, if you look at the percentages. Um, on those crystal ball predictions, they are high in favor of him coming to Oklahoma. And like I said, he's been linked even more recently with Caleb Williams as being one of Caleb Williams' guys. There's still another receiver out there as well who I believe Caleb Williams is bringing with him that we haven't even talked about. So, um, yeah, I, I can see it being three guys on July 4th. But also, let's not forget, Caleb Williams is also targeting some defensive guys. Yeah. Of course, in I think Caleb Williams has to, if he wants to make good on his promise, that there will be a meteoric rise in the recruiting rankings once his commitment is is made public. I do know there are people who believe that he's a silent commit to university at this point in time, that he's one of the unaccounted for set of eyes that Lincoln Riley has tweeted out. I can't confirm whether that is true or not. I can't deny it either. Right. And so the reality is... If he's that that silent commit, he's not only bringing in offensive players, he has to bring in defensive players, and it's it's not just because of that meteoric rise, mm-hmm. but he's recognizing what's what's at stake here and what's the best possible scenario to ride this wave, this link up twenty one into a national championship. Yeah, so we've got um, – yeah, I, I agree. Uh, we've got true or false coming up as well as we're going to talk about some of the 2020 college football contenders. I say there's only two, but we'll see what Rich thinks about that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Matt, I'm going to take us really quickly into this true-false segment where I get to ask the questions unbeknownst to you, and you must respond with true or false and then explain your reasoning. Some true. Of these, true. That's true. Some of these may catch you off. I was practicing. Off. I got you. I got you. Some of these may, may actually catch you off guard, which I'm kind of hoping for, but I don't know that – they will, because I took a completely different direction here. Instead of going with what, what's the national conversation, what what's the main conversations that are happening on that landscape, and, and just said, okay, let's not use any of those, except for maybe one. So let, let's get let's get right into this, okay? Let's do it, man. The odds came out for the Heisman Trophy in 2021, and Spencer Rattler is listed pretty high on that list. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. He's he's number three. I wrote an article about him being oh yeah 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 about him being um, because, ranked or sitting at that he's number three spot way higher than some. Uh, so here's what I want to know: true or false? I gotta get that slide in there at Texas. Sorry. True or false? Rattler Spencer Rattler has a realistic shot. Let me rephrase that: Spencer Rattler has a better shot of winning the Heisman than Chuba Hubbard or Sam Ellinger. True or false? True and false. 
I think he has a higher a higher odds of a better chance of winning the Heisman Trophy than Sam Ellinger does. We're I mean shameless plug. We're going to talk about wide receivers in our early week podcast, and I I, I just think there's issues there with Texas. Um, so yes, I would say higher than Sam Ellinger, not higher than Chuba Hubbard. Brings me right into number two, true or false. Texas will finish the season ranked inside the top 10. No, that's false. I, I, th- th- look, here, here's, <laughs> I, I actually, this isn't original to me and I, and I wish I could remember who I saw it cause I want to give them credit, but I saw on, on, um, I saw on Twitter, uh, someone said, until Lincoln Riley gives us a reason to believe otherwise, you have to think Oklahoma is the top contender in the Big 12. And then that same tweet, they said, and until Tom Herman proves us otherwise, you have to think Texas is going to just be Texas. Which means they're going to come in with all the hype. This is a team that's already having some turmoil. You've got four players who've said they're not even playing, including your star receiver coming back. I'm not playing for this team anymore. This is a team that's already in turmoil, already, you know, struggling to find its offensive identity, even with a new offensive coordinator. But they're going to come in with a lot of hype. But they're going to, they're, I mean, I just, I believe until they've got a terrible defense, and I hate them. So I have no problem saying they're going to win seven games. They're they're going to be Texas. Number three for me. I, I'm not going to give any of my opinion. This is. I'm asking you the questions, and I'm just going to let you take them and leave it for what it is. Third question for me. Um, I initially wanted to scratch this question, but I am going to include it. We've labeled Oklahoma State as potentially a dark horse candidate here to win the Big 12 mm-hmm. as the most likely or one of the most likely teams in the conference to unseat the Oklahoma Sooners and take home that trophy. But we're going to take it one step further. Oklahoma State is a college football playoff contender. True or false? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, If you asked me this question last week, I would have said true. This week, I'm going to say false. And, And the reason why is because I'm not convinced that there's unity in this locker room now. After the whole situation with the Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy deal, and again, I don't want to get into the politics of it. I really don't want to start that conversation because this is a sports podcast. But what I can tell you is a situation like that does one or two things. It either brings you together and makes you a tight-knit group where you really sweat and bleed for one another, or it creates a divide. And we, we won't really know the answer to this question until we see Oklahoma State challenged. You know, when, once someone really comes out and hits the Cowboys straight up in the mouth, is this team playing for each other and their coach, or is there a divide? You got to think at this point, Chuba Hubbard has said, hey, my relationship with Mike Gundy is a work in progress. And he's the leader of this team. He's the captain of this team. And then you got guys like Doug Gottlieb tweeting out a list of demands that, I mean, at least... I don't think it was an apology. It certainly wasn't a retraction. It was, I shouldn't have done that from Doug Gottlieb. So I don't know what the story is on that list of demands, but you got all the players come out and say, no, 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 that's not what this is about. But that's that came from somewhere. Somebody gave that information to Doug Gottlieb. I don't, I, I don't, I think it's a locker room divided right now. And so right now I'm going to have to say, I believe that answer is false. And it's tragic. It's tragic on so many levels. 
But at, just as we're talking sports, it's tragic because this, in my opinion, is the best shot Oklahoma State has had at being a national title contender since 2011. But is it falling apart? And can Gundy salvage this? And now you've got guys coming in, teammates from 20 years ago saying, oh yeah, well he used this racial slur when I played with him for Oklahoma State. I just, I mean, I at this point, I got to think the number one thing we've learned from Oklahoma State this last week is they've already got a built-in excuse for when they fail because I think it's a locker room divided. Now, the good news is we're talking mid-June and you've got until the 1st of September to bring it all back around. Can that happen? Absolutely. But until I see it, until I see more unity, no, I don't see them contending. I do need to correct myself. Because I said the 2021 Heisman at the beginning of this I know segment, what you meant. I did in in I did intend to say 2020. Yeah, I knew what you meant. I, I yeah. went with it. Like, yeah, know, I just I just let it roll, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, last question. I, I actually got two now because well, I didn't mean to go that long, but I didn't know your question was there, so I'm just shooting from the hip. Through through um what you've just said, I I do know that people were speculating as to the future of Mike Gundy, and so I'm gonna throw this one in there. Mike Gundy will be the head coach at Oklahoma State in 2021. Oh, man. I, again, if you would have asked me this question two days ago, even, you know, going back to Tuesday, I would have said absolutely 100% true. And I still think I have to go that way just because of how much money that's tied up in a contract. That that's exactly him. what I keep thinking. But, but this, I, I think that this, allegation from former teammates of him using racial slurs. I think that's a bigger deal, honestly, than, than Chuba Hubbard. I mean, cause with Chuba Hubbard, he can say, Hey, I didn't know that shirt was offensive. He can say it. I, I didn't realize I, I, I disconnected from you guys in that way. I mean, he can say that stuff, right? But if, if teammates are saying, man, look back in, you know, 1980, whatever, you use this word to me as an African-American teammate of yours. I heard you say this and these guys heard you say it. Well, not now all of a sudden you've got a, a, you've got an established pattern that true or false is going to be damaging to his career. And, and when you look at situations like that, he almost can make up a reason of cause fired for cause, which gets you out of that contract. I'm not saying any of this can happen. I'm, I mean, it will happen. I'm just saying it's possible. And and I I feel I feel like when when this whole thing blew up with Mike Gundy and Chuba Hubbard, everyone's talking, about, oh, he's going to get fired. You know, I I didn't feel at all he was going to get fired over that. I feel now with these allegations, depending on how that all plays out, I feel there's a better chance now with going back 20 years that there's a chance he's going to get fired than what happened with him and Chuba Hubbard on Monday. So I think right now I'm going to say it's false that he will be the head coach because of how much money's tied in. So true. I said, will he oh, be sorry. the oh, sorry. head I thought coach? You said, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, true. He yeah. will be. I, I think so. I have to say he still will be the head coach. But at some point, I really think at some point, Gundy's going to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Just to, just to see how this builds up. And there's a legitimate possibility he just walks away from this mess. You know, just say, hey, mm -hmm. I don't want to do it anymore. And and again, I'm not I'm not picking Gundy's side. I'm not, I'm not picking the player's side. I don't want to be political in this. I'm just talking straight from a sports perspective. 
I, Gundy does not come across to me as the type of guy who likes to be under the microscope. He doesn't. He likes to get up and tell the media, here's what I got to say. And if you're going to ask me questions, I'm going to him and haul around. I'm going to let you know I'm annoyed. And I just, I don't want to be, I don't want this to happen. My hair is my hair. My, my big daddy coffee mug is my big daddy coffee mug. Let me be me and you guys stay out of my business. That's, <laughs> that's how he comes across. And I, if, if this thing's going to blow up the way I think is, this is going to be a story through the entire season. And the more success Oklahoma State has, the bigger this story is going to be. And, and the more failures that Oklahoma State has, the more this is going to be a cause for the failure. So this story is not going away from Mike Gundy. And at some point, you just got to say, is he the type of guy who would just walk away from it? And I think the answer to that is yes, he is. Last question, since this is the Sooner Nation podcast, I've, I've got to start with the Sooner question, which means that I'm going to end this with a question about the Sooners. Let's do it. Last question I've got for you, Matt, is will, or true or false, Charleston Rambo will lead the Sooners in receiving yards? Mm, that's a good question, and I'm going to say false. I'm surprised by that. No, because I thought that was an easy no, true no, for no. you. No, 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 because you got to you got to consider. I, I think Charleston Rambo is going to have a career season at OU, but who who's 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 going to be the quarterback? Spencer Rattler, and who has Spencer Rattler been throwing to for a couple of years now? Not Charleston Rambo. Not Charleston Rambo. Although they have had an opportunity. No, but I'm talking about going back to high school. I mean, right. he, he was connected with Austin Stogner. I he said was I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going to answer these questions. Yeah. So take it away. No, I mean, I just think, I think Theo Weiss is a talented guy who's going to be a star. And I think Austin Stogner is a guy that, that Spencer Rattler is very comfortable with. And then I think Charleston Rambo is going to be the guy that you, you have as a defensive coordinator, you know, he's the burner. So you've got to, you've got to cover him. And, but Again, someone's going to be in one-on-one in -on -one coverage. And and the great thing that, that what Lincoln Riley really does great, well, there's lots of things, but when he has a quarterback that can do like a Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray, has the accuracy and, you know, again, I'm not selling Jalen Hurts short because he's playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he Lincoln Riley finds that mismatch. We're going to run this play. You're going to do this route, and this guy's going to be in one-on-one -on -one coverage. Guy right here, win one battle, the ball's in your hands. And he's going to have lots. I mean, let's not forget about Braden Willis. You know, I mean, there's just Jeremiah Hall. I, I, there's, there's, there's going to be multiple options this year, and I think the passing game is going to open back up this year, um, more so than what we saw last year. But, man, I, I just I, I keep falling back to that comfort zone with you got to look at those three guys he came in with or four guys he came in with but we know Hazelwood's out for the season so uh Bridges is going to miss up to 5 games so then that that puts you at a guy like Austin Stogner you know so I I don't I think there's options there um I I don't I don't think Charleston now maybe re, you said receiving yards or total receptions yeah receiving yards Yardage. I'm sorry. Not um, number of receptions. I'm yardage. still going to say false. I'm still going to say false. But if if he leads in yards, I don't think he'll lead in receptions. But I'm going to say false. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna spend just the last few minutes, and we're gonna break down national title contenders. I've got an article I want to bring up and just kind of get some thoughts on. 
Okay, final topic here for this podcast. I don't know if you saw this or not. I'm guessing you didn't. It was on 24-7 Sports. Um, basically, they took the 2020 contenders and they broke it down into tiers. So tier one, tier two, tier three. So I, I'm just going to cut to the chase here because I do want to have this conversation. But to me, right now in June, there's two contenders. I say Clemson and Ohio State. Those are the two contenders. If I was making a prop bet, I'm putting the prop bet, Clemson, Ohio State, in the national championship game. And I would say Clemson's going to win. But that's, that's June. How many teams do you legitimately believe are in that hunt right now? Two. Okay, good. Here, Here's the thing, though, is, is I get – where if you wanted to make a counter argument to the two is that you could look at the, the, the conference champion and say, okay, they've got a legitimate shot of maybe not winning, but at least competing mm-hmm. in that national championship game. Well, because anything can happen. Injuries, mm-hmm. suspensions, right. And, we're in the era of COVID. Here's, here's what I know is that no sane person I don't care that it's June. No sane person wants to rule out the entirety of the SEC based upon the fact that Clemson may may very well be the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. No, and that's the thing is that I look at this list and I think all this is, this list that they came up with, all it is is an ode to the SEC. Because it's Clemson and Alabama. That's it, right? Those are your two contenders. But they've got three tier Clemson one. Clemson and Ohio State, not Alabama. Yeah, sorry. I, I gave away who Al- the third who's the uh, third tier one. I, I was reading this. I gave away who the third tier one contender is. So it's Alabama. They've mm-hmm. got Alabama going into the season with a brand new quarterback. Right. Uh, they've got them on the same tier, the same level. As Ohio State and Clemson, this is a team that didn't even make the playoff last year. And with a, well, with, with a new quarterback, you're telling me they've got Alabama same level as Clemson and Ohio State. There's no way I'm buying into that. I I'm I'm not going to buy into it either. I am going to buy into the argument that you had mentioned of Clemson being the best team in the country, and a large portion of that is because when we look at Ohio State. They may be the trendiest team to pick at the moment, but don't forget that Ohio State's losing a J.K. Dobbins, Mm -hmm. a guy who cemented himself as a vital piece to the puzzle of that offensive scheme. Now they're going to insert a guy with a little bit of a different skill set, maybe not as much speed as Dobbins had in Trey Sermon. Not that he's not capable of carrying the load, but he's, he's, he's just a different style of player. Okay, so let yeah, I want to break this down. You you look at the quarterbacks, okay? Let, let's take these three teams and let's talk about the quarterbacks. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones. So what has Mac Jones done other than wear the Crimson Tide uniform? I mean, he stepped in in relief with injuries to Tagovailoa. Pretty sure they lost the Iron Bowl. Right? Sure. So but this guy, without the top two receivers from last year, is going to put them on the same tier as Alabama and Clemson. It's just not not possible. Right. And, and you, if you tell me who's the who is the most talented team, looking at projections over four years, the most talented team going into the 2020 season, Ohio State. 
best defensive team going into the 2020 season, Clemson. Matt, I don't. I, I'm going to back you up just one quick second. I'm not disagreeing with the Ohio State assessment, most talented team. But when we go over the past four years, I don't even know that Alabama is the most talented team in the SEC. I, I, and I, I mean, I, Georgia, I can't really argue Georgia has that. done a heck of a job recruiting under Kirby Smart. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Georgia because 24-7 sports has tier one and then they have tier 1.5, tier one and a half. So they could put the Georgia Bulldogs there. They're not they're not on that elite level as Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, but they're not so far down that they would be at number two, the team that lost Jacob Fromm, the team that struggled with an offensive identity all of last season and then lost that quarterback. They're almost there at 1.5. And then you get to tier two, and guess who you find in tier two? All by themselves. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Help me understand this. A team that returns four out of five starters on the offensive line, all all conference potential at running back, all American potential on that offensive line, by the way, a highly recruited, a highly talented young quarterback and a defense that's continually improving. And they're they you gotta you gotta make tier one point five to put Georgia here. Are you kidding me? So, so you can't Oklahoma and Georgia can't even be on the same plane. That I mean, that's what they're saying. Georgia, who is very much in the exact same boat as Oklahoma, when you look at offseason, you know who they're replacing. Georgia and Oklahoma are basically the exact same plane. But we got to create tier 1.5 to put Georgia there above Oklahoma again, a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. I I, I just this list. I mean. Again, we're we're beyond the the actual title contenders mm-hmm. at this point. This should have been an article that was about Ohio State and Clemson, and and barring you know if if something come up where your starter starting quarterback gets COVID or you've got an injury or you got suspensions, who could sneak in there? That's four, where we should be. But four teams do have to comprise the college football playoff. So you, I do feel legitimately you must list four teams when you talk about national titles. So, so then, so then we're going to list Clemson, LSU, uh, not LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. And that's what we're doing here. Okay. No way. There's no way that's going <laughs> to happen. It, I, it's not going to happen. You're right. Georgia may be a talented team, but they've got a lot of question marks. You've mentioned the the biggest loss at quarterback there, Alabama in the same boat. How will Mac Jones handle a, an entire season as the guy? Needless to say, there's a lot of teams who are in that same boat that are going to rely, in my opinion, pretty heavily upon other parts of the offense to give that quarterback a little bit of breathing room and some time to grow Mature, but when I look at talent, I, I believe Georgia's out recruited Alabama here pretty recently. No one's out recruited Ohio State. You said last week that you think Ohio State stands ahead above the rest this season mm-hmm. as well. That that's a trend. That's a trajectory that they're on. Will people compete? I don't know, Matt. I agree with you. National championship game. The odds on favorites are Clemson and Ohio State, and then we might as well just have a group of the, the rest. No, I agree. I, that, I agree with that. That's, what, that's exactly what I'm saying. I understand you got to have four, okay? I get that. But the four is going to be the two actual contenders 
and two guys that are just happy to be there. And, you know, that could be Oklahoma. I think there's a, a legitimate chance to it. I don't think that – I just – I don't see putting Alabama on that same plane as Clemson and Ohio State. I don't see having a tier 1.5 so you can sneak Georgia in there. Have tier 2. And tier 2 would be Alabama can make the playoffs, Georgia can make the playoffs, Oklahoma can make the playoffs. Potential conference winners Yes, is what you're telling but me. But then there's tier 3. And tier three has four teams. And two of them are from the SEC. So we've got four SEC teams involved in this thing. And, and that's exactly what I said to start this conversation, was that there's no sane person who would immediately count out the SEC. I'm not, now, to, I'm put, not to put out, six teams in there I'm not is counting a little bit out ludicrous the SEC. because that's almost half of the conference. Right. I'm not counting out the SEC, but why I'm I'm staunchly saying the SEC will not have two playoff teams. No, and I agree with that. So you want to guess who the two teams are in Tier 3? The, the two, two, Just the, two? No, the two SEC teams. Oh, Florida uh-huh. and Auburn. LSU. Again, a team that doesn't belong. They, they lost an entire... I mean, I, I, they I, lost an entire NFL team. I know exactly what you were going to say, and I'm looking at Bo Nix at Auburn. Pretty good first season. I, I would put Auburn there a, a bit, a, above LSU. Uh, two other teams, one's from the Big Ten and one's independent, hint, hint, also in Tier 3. BYU? I'm kidding. <laughs> Army! <laughs> I, I, I thought Notre Dame would be a pretty highly ranked team this year. That doesn't come as any surprise to me. I will say you're saying the Big Ten team. If if I just had to take a stab in the dark, it's going to be Penn State. Penn State, yes. All right. So, um, and I think Penn State is going to be pretty good this year. So now we get down. What to, about Minnesota? I I like Minnesota. I think Minnesota's a sleeper. I really. That's what do. I'm saying. Um, there zero chance to get in the playoff, but they're going to be a sleeper. And I think Penn State zero chance to get in and the playoff. Wisconsin's going to take a step backwards. Um. So, tier four, we're done with contenders. Be, uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read tier four, and you tell me if any of these teams have a legitimate chance to make the playoff. There's one absolute. Well, there's two absolute shockers on tier four. Two absolute shockers. You want to guess who they are? No. <laughs> zero. <laughs> Took chance. a lot of time to say that. Well, just thinking uh, that zero said, chance to make the playoff. And said, I've been hating on this team since we started yeah, the podcast. Tex- Texas would have been my one of the teams. That I threw out there. And then if I had to throw a second one, it would be uh, a Pac-12 team no, like Oregon. Uh, no, it's SEC. But let's think about a team very similar to Texas whose bark is way worse than their bite. If you could, They're also in the same state. If you could buy them. Don't answer the question. Listen, it's okay. Listen, if you could buy them for what they're actually worth and sell them for what they, they think they're worth, you could make a million dollars. That would be Texas A&M. Texas A&M. So Texas and Texas A&M here on this next tier. By the way, not even the second best team in the Big 12. Second team, second Big 12 team mentioned, but not even close to being the second best team in the Big 12. There's Texas getting its, its typical preseason love. Texas A&M, typical preseason love, along with Auburn and Michigan. Do you see any of those teams sneaking in the playoffs? Uh, on the surface, No. I don't, and I couldn't make an argument for them to get in. It's going to take an unforeseen series of events to play out for those teams to have a shot. 
Okay, so we're gonna. I'm just gonna move this along. The tier, the next tier, tier five, includes Oregon, USC, and Washington. Basically, the three contenders to win the uh, Pac-12 championship. And um, yeah, no, uh, pass. And then um, you get to the bottom tier, tier six, and we find our third Big 12 team. You want to guess? It's not Oklahoma State. It is absolutely Oklahoma State. The Fighting Mike Gundys, Minnesota, Oklahoma State, and Wisconsin make that final tier. And I believe West – look, here's here's where I started going with this. Again, I, my Texas hatred is running deep on this podcast. But I started going with this. Who would I take? You, you've got Texas right there and that next tier, tier four. Again, not having a chance to win – to get into the playoff. But I got I got down – who would I take over Texas? So let's 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 take away my bias. And I'm just going to throw it to you. Oregon, USC, or Washington? Would you take any of them over Texas? No. Okay. I think I might take Oregon, but that's just me. Um, I, I can't. The Pac-12, There, there's a trend that's happening there. It's why I think the majority of the talent mm-hmm. has come closer and closer to the East Coast. And it leaves the West Coast basically out of the conversation. Okay. So how, how can I say that? They're better when Texas is a hotbed for recruiting. Well, Tex- I get California is too, but they're well, not you know, keeping them. Something to think about um, on that. Uh, we talked about Texas, the, the 10 year uh, record. Do you realize that for seven of those 10 years, Texas had the top recruiting class in the Big 12? Always doing less with more. Oh, I'm just saying, every time, everybody, well, Texas, you they got the recruits. Okay, show me. Show me what they're doing. So, but I agree. I, I think maybe I might take Oregon. But then this last, this last group, the last group, the last three teams mentioned, Minnesota, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin. I would take all three over Texas. I wouldn't take Wisconsin. Really? Yeah, I think they've got too, too big of a loss in the running back role. Man, they can play some defense, though. Man, they can play some defense. They can until And you know counts. what Texas can't do? They can't play offense. That would be an ugly, like, 10-3 game. But I would take Wisconsin. Okay. I'm not taking them. Wisconsin's the only one I wouldn't. Well, that's why we do this. Wrap it up like that with our our varied opinions. Hey, thanks again for uh, coming along with us on the Sooner Nation podcast. Uh, Just a quick reminder, early in the week, we've got um, next week, we're going to have our Big 12 receiver tight end rankings. And I'm going to tell you, we have some, we're going to have some disagreements. Have a great weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner.